0: We've all heard about the multiplier effect as it relates to our financial lives, but I'm wondering if it has a role to play in our social and emotional lives as well. I'm Shannon Hayes, and you're listening to Season 4, Episode 5 of The Hearth of Satbush Hollow.
1: It was a cold, wild winter Praying that the raging storm would stay a little longer With your feet up on the dashboard of my summer dream Welcome to the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow,
0: chronicles and lessons from a life tied to family, community, and the land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm to table and neighbor to neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2, from April through November in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass Fed Gourmet, and Redefining Rich. In grad school we could not study community development without discussing the multiplier effect. An economic term, the multiplier effect, is the increase in economic output that results from a capital injection. We were taught that it's a pretty big deal in small locally based economies because of the amount of financial recirculation. That recirculation creates more economic opportunity at the local level. We see it all the time at Zapush Hollow. Eileen rents the apartment from us in back of the cafe. We pay her a management fee to operate the Airbnb upstairs. She buys her eggs and yogurt from the honor store. Her daughter and son-in-law, Tess and Will, operate a garage and property maintenance business. They mow the lawns and plow for us. Each week, they show up at the espresso bar for breakfast, and through the spring, each Saturday, they grab another of the farm vehicles to bring down to the garage to take off the snow tires. While they're up mowing, they pop into the honor store and grab stuff to cook for dinner. There was a point in Sapbush Hollow's evolution when we needed to consider the next stages for business growth. The expectation was that we would broaden our land base and our production and expand our markets. But we chose instead to dig deeper rather than broadening out, to engage with our local economy on more levels, providing housing, meals and lodging and a public gathering space in addition to our farm products. It was cheaper than buying farmland and it helped our family by keeping all members close rather than spreading us out over the state trying to make deliveries and attend farmers markets. That change enabled us to see the multiplier effect even in our family. With Grammy, Pop Pop, Bob, and I close at hand, Sersha and Dula were able to grow up in a family business. They have assumed leadership roles at young ages, able to work closely with all of us to learn our trade. We supply food and housing for our daughters. They earn money working with us and are able to support the rest of their needs, reducing Bob's and my household expenses. As the future owners, they're energetic and motivated employees, building up personal wealth as they help to grow a family business. The result is that nobody requires a big paycheck, but everyone builds wealth. But as I've aged in this business, I've come to observe that the multiplier effect plays out in the social fabric as well. People come to the cafe after a rough week, gaining hugs and solace from us and from fellow customers. They find out from each other who can repair a roof, deliver firewood, grade a driveway. The person who came in need of a mocha and a hug is able to give someone else the name of a good doctor. The person who got the name of the good doctor was bringing by some perennials for someone who's starting a garden. The gardener drops off a jar of honey for us to take home and enjoy. Thus, the multiplier effect isn't just financial, it's social. The trouble is, as I've observed this week, it's also emotional, especially on the family level. It started last week when Saoirse was delivering a pig share to the CSA pickup freezer in the honor store. We had just had several tons of stone brought into the cafe parking lot so that it could be regraded, so the surface was a bit unpredictable, and Sarah was wearing boots with wedge heels. She tripped on some stone while carrying the heavy box, turned her ankle, and sprained it. And just as $1 spent locally gets recirculated throughout the economy, so does a simple sprained ankle. It starts with the pain. It's physical for her, emotional for her dad and me. Our kids are pretty healthy and have had very few injuries and illnesses in their lives, so when one happens, it knocks Bob and I off guard. That pain spreads to Grammy and Pop-Pop, who demand updates from the emergency room every five minutes. It's the height of lambing season, and Sersha now needs to take ten days off work. Ula takes Sersha's shift and goes down to help Pop-Pop out in the barn. Sersha comes down to the cafe with Bob and me. Today, we're working at adapting Jack's famous chocolate chip cookie recipe to the cafe ovens. It's a day of recipe testing. A few hours later, Ula calls, sobbing. She and Pop-Pop have a ewe in the barn who has delivered one dead lamb. There's another inside her, also dead. Ulla has reached inside and done her utmost to extract it, but something is terribly wrong. Nothing is where it's supposed to be anatomically. They've been working for hours to no avail, and the U will not survive. I'm crying on the other end of the phone with her, Saoirse beside me listening. Her tears begin, bobs follow, just as dollars circulate through the family. So too does this heartache. This is supposed to be a pleasant work day for me. Throughout my life, I've honed in on culinary obsessions, how to cook the perfect steak, how to make a hollandaise and recover it from any error, how to make the best-tasting croissant. And today, I'm hoping to come into the light after years of darkness where in my heart I knew there was a perfect chocolate chip cookie, but never, ever, ever had I managed to create one that lived up to my vision. I have reviewed Jack's recipe, and I think he is on to something. We are on the cusp of a major breakthrough. But this suffering of this ewe. In 70 years of sheep farming, Pop-Pop has never come across anything like it. He and Ula are distraught. Sersha, leaning on her crutches is horrified that she wasn't there to help Grammy is in tears because they are in tears Pop-Pop is in tears because his granddaughter had to go through this with him Ula is in tears because of the sheep and because of how hard it is on Pop-Pop I know there will be a day in spring when the sun comes out I know the other lambs will run and play I know Sersha's ankle will heal and the flowers will bloom But in this moment, this multiplier effect feels like it is a magnifier of sorrows. We are in a feedback loop, the pain of one rippling through us all. Jack interrupts my thoughts with a text. He is driving up as soon as he gets out of school to taste the cookies. I promise I would get this done today. And it occurs to me there might be one way break the feedback loop. If my new interpretation of the multiplier effect is that it can magnify our sorrows, then I should be able to interrupt the sorrow cycle with joy. No one else really cares about perfect chocolate chip cookies. This has been Jack's and my quest. But maybe that doesn't matter. We line up pans and set up the balls of dough, only two cookies per pan, so we can evaluate how they perform. Per his instructions, I used two different types of chocolate, 85% dark and 55% dark. I brown the butter. We make adjustments in the cooking time to compensate for the powerful convection of my cafe oven. The cookies are chewy and soft with crispy caramelized edges that taste of browned butter. There have been so many disappointments in the last two days. There are good reasons to be in a bad mood. But these cookies, I am sorry for my family's pain. But I realize I do them a disservice denying what has just happened. I erupt with my sliver of joy. At the age of 49, I have finally taken a chocolate chip cookie out of the oven that fulfills all the things I have dreamt it could be. Ula responds and dials in the espresso machine. She and start started on a training session so that Sersha can stay home Saturday and stay off her feet and Ula can run the coffee bar. Jack and I bake off the rest of the cookies. Mom and dad drive down from the farm. Jack and Ula's friend Kalen comes up from school. The cafe smells like browned butter and chocolate chip cookies and lattes and espresso. My delight over a perfectly executed batch of cookies ripples through all of us. It is a welcome salve to the busted bodies and broken hearts. The pain doesn't disappear. It's still there. But so, too, is the pleasure of this little success and the communal joy of celebrating the fruits of the labor alongside our defeats. And in the end, in combination, what we have is... A really interesting day, rife with sorrow, rich with pleasure, and not easily forgotten, especially because we were able to share it. And that's going to carry over to Saturday when the cafe opens, and we serve up these new cookies to our community along with the story of their making. And this broader understanding of the multiplier effect will continue, where every experience, whether financial, social, or emotional, is intensified, making life, even on this small, local scale, just so darned worth living. Cafe is now open for the season every Saturday from 9 to 2 until Thanksgiving except October 21 and 29 when we plan to go on vacation. The prefix farm-to-table special for Saturday, May 13th will be wild ramp meatloaf with bone broth gravy, creamy mashed potatoes, braised red cabbage and apples, followed by your choice of either one of Jack's aforementioned chocolate chip cookies, save room because they're big, or a slice of homemade gluten-free cherry pie. If you're coming in Saturday, May 20th, we are having split pea soup made with dad's maple smoked ham hocks a wedge of new york state extra sharp cheddar and a hunk of cornbread or hearth bread followed by a slice of espresso chocolate layer cake with vanilla frosting you can check out the weekly prefix farm-to-table specials on the blog at sapbush.com our online website sapbushfarmstore.com continues be stocked with our grass-fed and pastured meats and eggs as well as wool bedding and yarn feel free to check it out or better yet if you're in the area feel free to drop by our honor store any time of the day or night located in the little red shed at the back of the cafe parking lot the address is 832 west fulton road west fulton new york if you'd like to come see us for a getaway our farm to table retreat on panther creek is taking bookings through airbnb and Sersha and Ula have now opened the tender site to accept reservations. You can find it by searching for Calico Ridge, Sapbush Hollow at tenter.com. If you want to stay on top of cafe and farm specials, farm happenings, or follow my musings on the blog when the podcast goes silent in the fall and winter, be sure to head over to the website at either sapbush.com or theradicalhomemaker.net and sign up for the newsletter. We do not do social media, so this is the only way to keep tabs on us. Plus, when you do, you can download a free workbook that pairs with my latest book, Redefining Rich, winner of a Nautilus and an Axiom medal. If you enjoy the slower things in life, you can also join our snail mail list to get Lula's hand-drawn postcards with notices about special offers and our CSA program. You can even be entered in a drawing to win a free CSA share by emailing me at shannonatsapwish.com with your address. If you enjoyed this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work. Please share this podcast with friends and family. This really helps to get the ideas to spread. Better still, you can help make the magic happen for as little as one dollar a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. Or if it's easier, you can also donate to support the podcast by sending a check to Shannon Hayes, care of Setwish Hollow Farm, 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York, 12194. And It's a really important thing to do, because all of this, the podcast, the blog, the novels and books, and the creative recharging that happens over fall and winter, are a result of the support of my patrons on Patreon. And this week, I'd like to send a shout-out to my patrons, Catherine Mostello and Catherine Lawrence. Thank you, folks. I could not do it without you. In case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.
1: Now the birds are singing